Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that Christmas reminds us that you sent your Son into the world to save us. Thank you that you are a God who is involved in the lives of your people, a God who hears our prayers. And we pray that this morning you will encourage us in our faith, that you will help us to trust you more. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm standing here looking at Will, thinking perhaps he might not like my opening words because they're to say that none of us like waiting for something. We might not be waiting in the same way as Will, but I'm sure we can all identify with standing in supermarket queues and realising that we've chosen the wrong checkout yet again. We wait for buses that never arrive. Research says that over the course of the year, the average Briton queues for almost three days. And I haven't checked the maths, but I'm told that's five months, two weeks, and five days of the average lifetime spent queuing. We live in an instant society. We visit websites with next day delivery. We send emails that can contact anyone in the world in seconds. Television brings the latest news instantly into our homes. The result? We become impatient. We want instant answers to all our problems. Waiting has never been easy. Zachariah and Elizabeth knew only too well the pain of waiting. They had desperately wanted a child. They'd longed for one for years. No doubt they had prayed in desperation but now they were old and all hope was lost. Zechariah, we're told, was a priest. His wife Elizabeth came from a priestly family. Surely if God was going to answer anyone's prayers, it was theirs. Put yourself in their shoes and imagine what it would have been like for this godly couple. The future would have been bleak. There were no pensions. They'd have had no children to support them in old age. Others would think their childlessness was a punishment from God. Elizabeth would have known that according to the teaching of the rabbis, Zechariah would have been quite within his rights to have divorced her after 10 years. It's not surprising that in verse 25 of our passage, she speaks of her childlessness as a disgrace. But not only had Zechariah and Elizabeth been waiting fruitlessly for a child, God seemed to be silent at a national level too. 
There'd been no prophet in Israel for 400 years. The Jews were under Roman rule. Herod was unpopular. He'd been appointed by the Romans. He wasn't completely Jewish. He had a reputation for being ruthless. Where was God? What has happened to his promises of a Messiah? The background to this story is a God who has been silent. A God who hasn't answered the prayers of his people. Not even the prayers of Zechariah and Elizabeth, who we're told had followed him faithfully and continued to follow him despite the lack of answers. Is this any different from today, I wonder? I suspect all of us have encountered situations where, quite frankly, it feels as if our prayers are bouncing off the ceiling when God doesn't seem to be answering. We desperately want physical healing, either for ourselves or for someone we love. We want members of our family to become Christians. We long for our son or daughter to turn back to Christ. We want the end to a period of unemployment. We may, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, desperately want a child. But even though we are persistent in prayer, our most heartfelt prayers remain unanswered. Or perhaps we look at our church, at the hours of prayer that have been spent praying for a new rector, And yet we see the process dragging on. The end seems little nearer than it did months ago. I suspect we can all recall situations where we've wrestled persistently in prayer, where we've questioned what God is doing. I remember when I first qualified as a teacher, I couldn't find a job. I'd recently married, I was in a town where I knew no one. I'd gone from a busy hall of residence to being at home alone all day. I was eager to put my newly acquired skills into practice. And instead, I was unemployed. It was hard. It was difficult to see what God was doing. This passage touches on one of the hardest questions we have to wrestle with as Christians. If God is all-powerful, why does he appear to sometimes not answer the prayers of his faithful people, or at least not to answer them for a very long time? Why does God sometimes withhold our deepest longings? I don't plead to have all the answers. I don't think we ever will this side of eternity. But I do think this passage gives us some clear insights into the way that God works. The angel's first words to Zechariah are very important ones in the context of prayer. The angel says, Do not be afraid. And then Gabriel says, your prayer has been heard. Which prayer is this referring to? 
Is it the prayer that Zachariah and Elizabeth have offered over many years for a child? If so, it certainly can't be a recent prayer because in Zachariah's own slightly polite words, Elizabeth is getting on in years. Childbearing is certainly no longer a possibility. And so surely it must have ceased to be a focus for prayer. In that case, it puts an interesting perspective on prayer because it says God had clearly heard the prayer uttered long ago, even though Zechariah and Elizabeth must have struggled with the lack of an answer. There is another alternative, too, to the words, your prayer has been heard. They could refer to the prayer that Zechariah has just offered in the temple. But to understand what that prayer might have been, we need to look a bit more closely at the background to the passage. Luke tells us that Zechariah was serving as a priest before God, that he'd been chosen by lot to offer incense. That might sound a little bit odd, but we need to understand that everyone who was a descendant of Aaron was a priest. That meant there were about 18,000 priests in total. They were divided into 24 divisions, and each division was on duty for two weeks of the year. But there were still hundreds of priests. So to decide who did each job, they would draw lots. Offering incense was the most privileged job because it involved standing in the holy place. If you look at the diagram of the temple on the screen, you'll see that the Holy of Holies is right in the very centre of the temple at the top of your screen, and the holy place is immediately below it. They were separated just by a curtain, and the altar of incense was directly the other side of the curtain. It was the closest an ordinary priest could get to the most holy place. Because of that, A priest would only do it once in his lifetime. Some never did. It was literally the most important moment in his life. So what would Zechariah have prayed in that moment when he stood before God representing the people of Israel? I very much doubt it would have been a personal prayer for a child. His total disbelief at the angel's words suggests that wasn't the case. Rather, he's far more likely to have been praying for Israel, that God would save his people, that he'd send the Messiah that he had promised. I actually think that the words your prayer has been heard mean that God has heard both of Zechariah's prayers. He's heard the long-forgotten prayer for a child, and he's heard the priestly prayer for God to save his people. 
God's silence didn't mean that he hadn't heard Zechariah's prayer. It meant his answer to the prayer for a child had been not yet. God had withheld an instant answer in order to give Zechariah something much better, something beyond his wildest dreams. Instead of being given any child, he was to be the parent of the forerunner to God's Messiah. This child was going to be great. He's the only person in the whole of the New Testament proclaimed to be full of the Holy Spirit at birth. His birth was going to bring joy, not just to Zechariah and Elizabeth, but to many people. His name, John, means the Lord is gracious. In other words, God also answered Zechariah's prayer for the people of Israel. But he answered it in a totally unexpected way. Zechariah is going to play a role in answering his own prayer. Not only that, God waited until Zechariah and Elizabeth were completely at the end of their own resources. It was going to be obvious that this child's birth was miraculous. It seems to me that the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth teaches us three things about prayer. Firstly, God hears our prayers. He hears, he knows what his answer is going to be, but we may not receive that answer immediately. His answer might be not yet, or even no. Secondly, God sometimes doesn't answer straight away because a delay helps us to see his actions more clearly. He waits until we've reached the end of our own resources. He encourages us to cast ourselves completely on him, to see him at work in the answer and not ourselves. Sometimes, like Zechariah and Elizabeth, the delay might even be so that he can give us something better than we've asked for. It's a pattern we see time and time again in the Bible. Think of Hannah. She too was barren. She too prayed desperately year after year for a child. Her desperation leads her to give her son when he is born to God. He grows up in the presence of the Lord. He leads the people of Israel back to God. Finally, I think, our passage shows us that God doesn't always answer prayers in the way we expect. He answers in the way that will bring him the greatest glory. Those principles are still true today. Let's remember them as we head towards a new year. As a congregation, let's be encouraged by the fact that God hears prayer. He heard us when we first began to pray for the right new rector. 
It doesn't mean we don't need to pray anymore because Jesus teaches us to be persistent in prayer. The answer might be taking much longer than we expect, but our role is to trust. Like Zachariah and Elizabeth, we need to be strong in our faith in the interim. We need to be a people who are ready for our new rector, as Hugh Palmer said when he visited us. And when our prayers are answered, we need to be like Elizabeth in verse 25 and give the praise to God. Let's also remember that in our lives too, God sometimes brings us to the end of our own resources before he intervenes. I spoke earlier of my time of unemployment. Eventually, in desperation, I reached the end of my own resources. And I prayed simply, Lord, if you want me to do something else, that job's going to have to fall into my hands because I really don't know what to do. And that's exactly what happened. A few days later, I had a phone call from the job centre And someone asked me to come in so that they could check my details. I arrived. I spent some time with an employment advisor. And at the end, she said, actually, we got you here under false pretenses. We've got a job available working here. Would you like it? I had no hesitation in saying yes, because I knew without a shadow of doubt that that was the answer to my prayer. When I reached the end of my own resources, God stepped in, and that intervention enabled me to see him at work in my life. Sometimes we simply have to just place ourselves in God's hands and trust in the words of Isaiah 55, where it tells us that God's ways are not our ways, that as high As the heavens are than the earth, so are his ways, higher than our ways. The same principle applies to those prayers where God seems to be silent and we question what's happening. He may, like Zachariah and Elizabeth, ultimately give us something beyond our wildest dreams, but he might just be asking us to hold on to him in trust in the face of no apparent answer. It might be that we're asking for something that from God's perspective isn't the best for us. He might have a different purpose. It may be that our earthly troubles are drawing us closer to him in a way we didn't imagine possible. We don't always understand There are no easy answers. Zechariah and Elizabeth must have spent years wondering what God was doing. And sometimes like them, we simply have to hold on and trust in God's love and faithfulness towards us. Let's remember too that there is one prayer that will always be answered immediately the prayer that asks Christ to be our personal saviour. 
Zechariah asked God to save his people. And that prayer was answered not just for his time, but once and for all. John's birth was going to point to God's saviour, Jesus. John's role was going to to be to tell others that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And Christ can still do that for each one of us today, the moment we turn to him in repentance and faith. This morning, as we look at the example of Zechariah and Elizabeth, Let's be encouraged by the fact that God hears our prayers. Let's place ourselves in the hands of a God whose ways are far beyond our understanding. And let's remember that as we pray, God hears more than we say. He answers more than we ask. He gives more than we imagine in his own time and in his own way. With those thoughts in mind, let's just have a moment of quiet to bring our prayers to God. Loving Heavenly Father, we trust in you. And we leave our prayers in your hands, asking only that you might be glorified in our lives and in the life of our church. In Jesus' name, amen.